Hey family, welcome to the Hope Center podcast. This is Pastor Francesca Chavez. And today's message, Breathing Underwater, teaches us how to overcome our anxiety by having faith in God's character, God's track record, and God's promises for your life. I pray that you are blessed. Church, today's message is entitled Breathing Underwater because the topic for today has to do with how we feel (laughs) when we're going through circumstances and oftentimes we feel like we're sinking and we're trying to take breaths underwater. The mental health crisis in America specifically has been very devastating for a couple of decades now, but over the last six months, I think we can all agree that it actually has worsened. It's become almost like a looming plague in America. The greatest giant right now that is at the core of this play, can I tell you what it is? It's called anxiety. We've got some illustrations for you guys today. Now what is anxiety? Anxiety is worry, it's fear, it's tension, it's apprehension about life situations and about what is to come. I'm gonna say that again, anxiety is worry, it's fear, it's tension, it's apprehension about life situations and about what is to come. It's really your body's response to the stress, to the stressors that are currently in your life. Let's look at some of the numbers that are, uh, that are in relation to anxiety currently right now in the US. Anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the US affecting 40 million adults. Anxiety disorders are more common among females, among young adults, and among the poor. Anxiety is the highest concern for counseling services in colleges today. 42% of college students who are currently being seen for some sort of counseling service are being seen due to anxiety. During COVID, a third of Americans are now showing signs of clinical anxiety or depression or both. Before the pandemic began, 25% of U.S. adults experienced some sort of depressive mood. That number in the last six months has doubled. According to the U.S. Census, 50% of Americans have reported experiencing depressive moods during this pandemic. So these results are reflecting a very deepening of an existing trend that is already taking place in America. We're seeing the rise of depression. We're seeing the rise of stress, the rise of addiction, and the rise of suicide among young adults. Now, I wanna be clear, because occasional anxiety is to be expected, that is normal. You should have concern and care about things that are taking place in this world. You should have concern for the things that are taking place in your daily life. But if we're not careful, we can allow the devil to push us to become anxious beyond what is reasonable for us, beyond what is reasonable for our bodies to take. I love this quote, worry and anxiety is like a rocking chair, it's always in motion, but it never gets you anywhere. I'm going to say that again. Anxiety is like a rocking chair. It's like a rocking chair, always in motion, but it never gets you anywhere. So let's talk about where anxiety even came from, because when we look at this, we can actually see the first instincts of anxious behavior documented in the Bible as early as the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three. 
Because when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, in Genesis chapter three, we see this story. I'm gonna recount it very quickly. But the Bible tells us that the serpent deceived Eve, she ate of the forbidden fruit, she gives it to her husband. All of a sudden their eyes are open, they realize that they're naked, they take some fig leaves, sew them together to make coverings for themselves, and then they hear the presence of the Lord in the garden. And the first thing that they do is they hide. But God, who is omniscient and who is omnipresent, realizes that the man is not to be found. And he calls out to Adam and says, where are you? And Adam's response is this. I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid. Fear is a symptom of anxiety. So I was afraid because I was naked. That is my issue. So I hid. I'm trying to do something to cope with it. Now, anxiety occurs when we evaluate the circumstances of our lives without including these following things. We don't include God's character. We don't include God's track record. And we don't include God's promises. So when we forget that God's character, that he is a God who loves us, that he is a God who cares for us, that he is a God who provides for us, situations come into our life, we remove this and we become anxious. When we forget that God has a track record of being faithful, of being a provider, of having taken care of his people since the beginning of time, and that he can still do it today. When we forget that he has history of being who he says that he is, we become anxious. When we forget that he has promised to deliver us from evil, when we forget that he has promised to show justice and mercy, when we forget that he has promised to not leave the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread, when we forget the promises that are in his word, we become anxious. And so anxiety occurs when we forget to evaluate these three things as we look at the things that are currently taking, take, taking place around us. I'm gonna put these back up here. Because can I tell you something today? I wanna share some good news with you. The good news is that through faith in these three areas, you don't have to live in anxiety anymore. You don't have to live a life of excessive fear, excessive worry, excessive unrest, because God has given you the authority to have peace and joy, even through the hardest trials, when you begin through the lens of faith to look at your situation through these lenses. God's character, God's track record, and his promises. So the first thing you have to start doing this is gonna be very simple. I'm gonna share three things with you that you can begin to do so that you can live anxiety free. And let me tell you, I'm not talking about this because I'm not experienced. Everyone who knows me knows my story of anxiety. 
I am not, I'm not delivering a message to you today that I myself have not lived or experienced. I know this to be fact. And so I want to help somebody today. So the first thing you have to start doing is putting faith over fear. Type that in the chat. Faith over fear. Now these things are not going to be new to you as believers. All of what I'm going to share with you today is stuff that you already know. But I want to remind you today. We've got to start putting faith over fear. Yes. Now, what is faith? If we look at Hebrews 11 verse 1, go to Hebrews 11 verse 1 in your Bible. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now faith, active faith, present faith, faith right now for this moment is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But pastor friend, I don't really think I have faith. Can I tell you, you exercised faith already this morning. If you're currently sitting down on a sofa, in a chair, whatever the case might be, you have exercised your faith. Why? Because you're sitting in something that you had faith would hold you up. When you have faith, if we use the example of a chair, you are confident that the chair is going to hold up the weight that is under you. That is your hope. So I sit in it with the confidence that it's going to do that. And the assurance is in the manufacturer that he knew what he was doing when he built the chair. I'm not, I'm not picking the chair up to see that every screw was rightly screwed in, that every nail is where it needs to be. I have assurance about what I do not see. I don't have to look at it to believe it. I sit down in the chair in faith. This is the same thing when we come to God. Look at what it says in Hebrews 11:6. It says, "And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe. You must have confidence, you must have assurance that he exists. You ever prayed a prayer and you're like, "But God, are you even listening to me?" God is like, "Are you there?" I feel like I'm just getting a dial tone. I don't, like, are you picking up the line today? We have to have the confidence and assurance that he exists and the confidence and assurance that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And in other words, if I am seeking him, he will answer me. If I knock, he will open the door. If I ask, I will receive an answer. I have the confidence and the assurance that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. This is why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I love this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By faith in what? Not in circumstances, not in things, not in the chaos that's going on around me. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me. Therefore, I live by faith in God and in his character. He loves me. When our faith is anchored in God, we can make statements like, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, I know that you are going to make a way. God, I know that you are able. When we have faith, we claim to trust God. Whenever we do that, whenever we claim to trust God, we are also making a decision to be satisfied with his answers. 
It may not come how you want it. It may not come packaged the way that you want it. It may not look the way that you prayed for it, but you trust and believe that his plan, his purpose is better than the plan or the agenda that you have set forth. Can I talk about it today? I want to give you guys a prime example. We're going to take this off. Oh, I forgot to put my, did I? Oh, yeah, I did. Here was my plan before I met Pastor Sergio. This was my plan. It might be a little hard to read. Let me tell you what my plan was. My plan was, because I no longer trusted men, my plan was stay single, have no kids, even if I got married. I did not want kids. I was content with being a youth pastor. I loved young people. I still love you young people. But I was like, youth pastor, that's going to be it for me. I don't want to be the pastor of a church. That's too much of a heavy responsibility. I don't take that lightly. That's not my calling. I wanted to, I didn't want to stay here. I didn't want to live in, 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 in Maryland uh, or D.C., the DMV area. I, I was like, I'm going to move cross country somewhere to another state. And I wanted to get my Ph.D. so that I could become a professor out of college. That was my plan. That was my 10-year plan. But what happens... What happens when we begin to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he said, Father, if you can pass this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. And he prayed it over and over again. He prayed it three times. Jesus, if you can pass, God, if you can pass this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. When I started to pray, God, this is my plan but not my will, your will be done. What if you trusted God's plan for your life? What could that look like? You may not see it right now, but what could life look like if you trusted God's plan for your life? This is your plan, but God has purpose. And so when you replace your plan with God's plan, then things begin to flourish in a whole different light. Because now I'm married to the best man I could have ever asked for or imagined to receive. I have three beautiful, incredible, smart children who are gonna be future leaders, history makers, and world changers in their generation. God knew that this seed could not stay with me. It had to continue going from generation to generation. I church planted and I'm now the executive pastor of the most incredible church, I think, in the DMV. Never in a million years did I imagine becoming a pastor. Uh, I wanted to move, but God said, you're staying in Maryland. And I know why he's got me here, because he's getting ready to have a revival breakout in the nation's capital. And he didn't want to do it without me. I'm going to be here to be a participant of it and to see it happening. And I'm I'm not uh, a secular teacher, but I am now a teacher of his gospel and there is nothing that I love more than to bring a message of hope and deliverance to the lives of people I had a plan but God had a purpose people who have faith they take a step of obedience even when they have yet to see the miracle people who have faith present their plans to God but they have an open agenda They're flexible to whatever it is that God may want to change.
People who have faith believe that even in the darkest hour when I cannot see his hand moving, I believe that he is still working and operating in my midst. People who have faith know that everything around them can and will change, that people can and will fail them, but there is one thing that remains constant and that is God and the love that he has for us. People who have faith believe that whatever he said he was going to do, he is going to fulfill it. Faith over fear. Number two is truth over feelings. Truth over feelings. Can I talk about this one? (laughs) Feelings are connected to our conscious experience. It's our response to how we're perceiving the things that are currently taking place in our lives. So really, our feelings are an outward manifestation of how we are internalizing our experience. Now, Feelings are not bad. It's not wrong to have feelings. There's a problem when you're in your feelings, but it's not wrong to have feelings. Your feelings are derived from your emotions. Your emotions were given to you by God. God himself has emotions. We were created in his likeness and his image. So you have emotions and your feelings are coming from that. However, God never intended for your feelings to have more power in your life than his word. That was never his intention. I'm going to say that again for those of you in the back who missed it. He never intended for your feelings to have more power in your life than his word. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Let's go to the, let's go to the word right now. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Proverbs three, verses five through six say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes. And lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. In other words, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how many degrees you have, how much knowledge you have, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Look at Jeremiah 17, seven through nine, I love this. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence, in other words, whose faith is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And I love that right after making that statement, this is the next statement that is made. The heart is deceitful above all things and has no cure. Who can understand it? How many times has your heart deceived you when it comes to relationships, the friends that you've picked? Listen to your heart. Let me tell you, that is the biggest lie the enemy has sold us in the 20th century, to listen to our heart. And if your heart has deceived you, then let me ask you another question. How many times have you thought things that you know are not true? Nobody loves me. I have no friends. I'm alone. How many times have you thought things that you know are not true? Today you have a choice. You can choose to believe God's word, which is truth, or you can choose to surrender to your feelings which are oftentimes lies. Begin to ask yourself questions like this. I know what I feel about this situation, 
but what does God say about it? I know what I think about this situation, but what does God say about it? I know what next steps I should probably take, but what does God say about it? I know what the media is telling me. I know what people are telling me. I know what everything around me is telling me, but what does God say about it? Type that in the chat. What does God say about it? I want you to begin to ask yourself on a daily, as you have thoughts that are entering your mind, what does God say about it? Can I tell you guys a secret? If you believe in truth over your feelings, if you believe in truth, you have the power to alter your feelings. Did you know that? You can be upset, but you don't have to stay upset. You can be angry, but you don't have to stay angry. You can be enraged, but you don't have to stay enraged. I'm gonna prove it to you. Psalms 42.5 says, this is the psalmist speaking, and I, I love using the psalms because David was a perfect example of altering his feelings. Whenever he was in a moment of despair, of fear, of desperation, he came to God. And when he came to God, he then at the end, after giving God all of his negative news, right? Then he ends by proclaiming the character of God, the track record of God, and the promises of God. He reminds himself who God is. Psalms 42.5 says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. My initial feeling was despair but I'm going to redirect that despair and I'm going to change it to hope. Hope in God for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Psalms 103 verses one and two, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all of his benefits, telling your feelings what they should be doing. Do you know why God instructs us to write the word on tablets, to meditate on it day and night, why he has instructed us to do that from the beginning of time, from the people of Israel. And now for us, we get to write it on the tablets of our hearts. He did that because when you are full of the word of God, you have the power to operate in faith Speak that word over your life, over your situation, and believe that by faith, that is your truth. Hallelujah. It's so that your feelings don't become the thing to guide you, but that the power of God's word is the thing that steers your boat. Yes. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, one of the things that we, that we think about is, when we're going through a specific situation, it's how do I overcome this? How do I, how do I get past this? God has already given us the blueprint. When he tells us to write the scriptures on the tablets of our hearts, to meditate on it day and night, he's telling us repetition is gonna lead to assurance. The more you hear it, the more you see it, the more you will begin to believe that it is true for you. That it's not just true for your neighbor. I know God can heal them, but I don't know if he can heal me. Well, maybe if you started to repeat over and over and over again to yourself that God is your healer in the same way that he healed whoever your neighbor might be, he also has the power to heal you. When you begin to repeat, you are assured of God's truth. Now, some of you might know this is a shameless plug. I started a small business called My Scripture Wall yes. with this actual intention in mind. 
because I was someone who dealt with very bad anxiety. I remember um, it got to the point, it was so bad that it got to the point where it started to even infiltrate my marriage. I was dealing with anxiety before I got married, but it got worse after I got married. I'm not gonna go into all the depths of the story because some of you guys have already heard it. If you wanna know more about it, we can talk later or follow at my scripture wall on Instagram. Um, but this is where my scripture wall was birthed because I remember being in the parking lot and calling out to God in despair and saying, I need help, I don't wanna deal with this anymore. And God gave me the blueprint the Holy Spirit then instructed me to begin to write scriptures on note piece, on pieces of note paper and to post them on my wall. Is there tape around there? I had a, I had a thing of tape. I wanna show you guys what began to happen. Thank you. So here's what happened. I started writing one scripture and putting it on the wall. The next thing you know, God would give me another scripture. And I put that on the wall. I got another scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I put that on the wall. I'd get another scripture. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. I put that on the wall. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I put that on the wall. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I put that on the wall. And before I knew it, what started out as one scripture became an entire wall of scriptures. And my husband is here because he knows I'm not lying. Our entire bedroom walls were covered in scriptures. I woke up to scripture, I went to bed with scripture. There was nowhere in my house that I could hide from God's truth over my life. And before I knew it, I was now sleeping with the Prince of Peace in my heart and he had served my anxiety and eviction notice. You know, a lot of people celebrate being sober. I celebrate being anxiety free for eight years. It has been eight years since I suffered a panic attack because his word has been engraved yes, in my heart. Psychologists have found that it takes 12 positive comments to cancel out a negative one. So baby, let me tell you something. If you get 10 anxious thoughts a day, you better have scripture that you can recite 120 times to cancel out the lie of the enemy. If you've got to cover your walls in the scripture of God so that you can be reminded of his truth for your life, then do it. But choose truth over your feelings. And to end this out, the last thing is peace over problems. Type that in the chat, peace over problems. That means we take the eternal, which is peace, and we put it over our problems, which are temporary. In layman terms, what this means is choose Jesus. Choose Jesus who is eternal over your problems, which are temporary. Do you know that our world right now is crying out for answers? 
Billions of dollars are being invested in the stress and medication management industry today. People are paying thousands upon thousands of dollars every single year to manage their stress. We're asking ourselves, what's happening in our schools? What is happening in our country? Why are people no longer safe? Can I tell you what the answer is and it's completely free? The answer to the issue is Jesus. If we were to bring Jesus back into our homes, our homes would change. If we were to bring the altar of Jesus back into our schools, our schools would be revolutionized. If we were to bring the perspective of Jesus back into our government, things would not look the way that they are looking right now but we have taken Jesus out of our boat and we have decided instead to lean on our own wisdom our own knowledge our own understanding and because we have removed him and we have said we don't need him we are now in this facing the issues that we're facing right now but can I tell you that Jesus said I am the truth I am the way I am the life he said apart from me you can do nothing when you remove Jesus out of the picture you can do nothing when you remove Jesus out of the picture your marriage is bound to fail when you remove Jesus out of the picture your children are bound to act up when you remove Jesus out of the picture your home is bound to turn into turmoil when you remove Jesus out of the picture your job might feel like it's failing but when you put Jesus back into the picture all you need is one moment in his presence and he has the power to change everything around. Jesus said in John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I've got to run through this quickly. The world's definition of peace is freedom from external and internal disturbances. I don't know about you, but to me that is impossible to achieve. Because every single day of my life, there is something that I can stress or worry about. Every single day. If it's not my children, it's gonna be bills. If it's not bills, it's my job. If it's not my job, it, it's something. There's always something that I can stress over, whether it's internal or external. Now, non-believers cannot hold on to peace. I wanna share a secret with you for those of you who are believers. You have an advantage. Because a non-believer can experience moments of relief, but they can't ever experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. They can come close to it when they experience happy moments, but that is not the same as God's peace. They can't experience his peace because Peace is a gift of God given to us by his Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer, you don't have access to that fruit. You don't have access to the peace of God. I love how it ends. It says, against such things, there is no law. I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad today that I am saved because I have access to the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Let me tell you what God's definition of peace is. His definition of peace is to be complete. It's to be sound, it's to be whole. That means there's nothing missing, there's nothing lacking, there is nothing that is broken. God's definition of peace is anchored in Christ while the world's definition of peace is anchored on my circumstance. God's definition of peace is anchored 
in Christ. Can I tell you about Christ? Christ is unmovable, so my peace cannot be moved. Christ is unshakable, so no matter what comes my way, my peace cannot be shaken. God is above all, which means that in the midst of my storm, my peace can reside above it all. God is sovereign, which means that my peace comes from a sovereign God. And can I tell you that today as a believer, if you are a believer, you have access to that peace. That peace that surpasses all understanding. God is the only source of peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And if he's not in the picture, peace cannot be experienced. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at medication, doesn't matter how many stress management classes you go to. If Jesus is not in the picture, you will never be able to experience peace the way that God intended you to experience peace. I want to end with this, one of my favorite scriptures found in Philippians 4, chapter 6, chap, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, because you know that the victory is already yours. Present your request to God. In other words, leave them there. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, because he is the Prince of Peace. If today you are a believer, I invite you to tap into the gift of the Holy Spirit that you already have. If you're saying, Pastor Fran, I haven't been able to experience that peace, but you are a believer, can I tell you that it's already yours? You have access to it. You don't have to pay a dime for it. It is free to you. All you have to do is begin to pray that the Lord will manifest, that the Holy Spirit would manifest the peace that he has already given you on the inside. And if you're not a believer, and you're saying, Pastor Fran, I need that peace. Yes. That peace that surpasses all understanding because let me tell you, I can't describe this peace to you. It can't be experienced, it can't be explained. It can only be experienced. And if you're saying today, I need that peace, then I invite you today to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life and he will seal you with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit will come and reign with you. You will no longer walk a day in your life alone because he is with you until the end of times. And his peace that surpasses all understanding will come and reign in your heart.